You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. The first edition in a while for myself, Will McKay, and joining me across the way, as always, is Matt Clare. And uh, obviously, it's been a little bit, been a quick minute since we had a podcast and uh, just kind of been, you know, part of it as far as, you know, summer schedules and what everybody's got going on and know all you guys know how that is. And uh, at one point, I believe, Matt, we recorded an episode this summer where it only recorded my voice and it sounded like I was a crazy person either talking to a ghost or talking to myself because it didn't record you at all. So that was a lot of fun, you know, to record an hour's worth podcast and then not use it, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's it's totally worth the effort, right? Staying up late, doing it the right way. Yeah, you know, just, uh, you know, wasting two hours and, you know, going in and, and just like cutting it up and, and then, uh, you know getting ready to, to post it and realizing that I sound like someone that needs to be institutionalized for <laughs> on a podcast, but trust uh, us guys. It was awesome. <laughs> it she, was, you can hurt. trust me. It was a, it was a good one of course, but, uh, but I guess, uh, before we kind of get anything, anything, Matt, just, uh, like I said, it's been, you know, a month since we put up a podcast, just how it's kind of been, but, but I guess what's kind of been going on with you in, in, in your world and, and know there's been lots of, uh, lots of action going on, man. Man, nothing much. I, you know, it's just uh, summertime, so like you said, it's kind of a, a downtime for us. Then we recorded the podcast, and it and it didn't actually record. So uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus this past month. But man, it's been busy uh, recruiting wise, and there's you know we're we we've just kind of come off of that wave from uh, tech baseball, and and you know I know we're going to get into some of the pro ball stuff too. I mean, it's just been a uh, it's been a good start to the summer. I mean. It's kind of sad to think it's almost halfway over, though. That's the wildest thing to me, man. Is the, is the, that's the crazy thing to me? Like I said, as I get older, is how much more quickly the year goes by. Because I could have sworn, you know, yesterday was January, and I was in the middle of baseball and getting ready for, uh, sorry, middle of basketball, sorry, and getting ready for baseball, and then it all was. This is a weird year for me too, as far as like tech coverage, because of how good baseball and basketball were. You kind of had at one point had basketball going on. And they were in the NCAA tournament, and you also had spring football going on, and also had baseball going on. So it was just a really uh, kind of crazy, hectic year where there was so much going on that you really didn't get really keep, I guess, keep track of time. And uh, it's the awesome thing for us too is that you really don't really have a downtime for us as much this year because baseball made such a long run that you're only going to have essentially you know two months without uh, football going on. So uh, so yeah, just a lot going on and uh, really. The first, you know, going to do a kind of a couple of quick hits here and just kind of run through a couple things before we kind of dive into the main part of the podcast tonight. And really just kind of the first thing, really wanted to just quickly, you know, give a shout out, you know, to the Tech baseball team and, you know, the great year they had. And uh, for me personally, you know, was was probably the best team I've gotten to cover here at uh, my time at Tech, certainly the best team during my time 
since I was in school and got out of school in the last you know decade. Some people would argue the best team you know since that uh, team in the early '90s that won the uh, women's national title in in women's basketball. So, uh, so yeah, just so much fun to cover this team and uh, going to be interesting to see what kind of happens from here because they lose so many guys that were such vital to this team. You think you know Eric Gutierrez, Tyler Nisloni, Stephen Smith. Ryan Mosley, Corey Raley. I mean, you just keep going on and on, and then they use, lose, you know, all these other juniors that were pitchers. You know, guys like uh, Hayden Howard and, and Robert Duggar and, and Ty Dameron. And like I said, you just keep going with names and names and names, and just going to be a, a kind of a different year baseball wise. So, uh, so yeah, I'm just kind of interested to see what happens with baseball. But I know you you kind of watch it from afar because you don't really cover any baseball. So, what was it kind of like for you, Matt, just getting to see these guys kind of, you know, from a distance? Well, and just to kind of remind folks, you know, we're recording this on on Tuesday night, and today was kind of significant because you've got the the Texas coaching search going on, and you know, none of the, none of the the smoke really caught flames, you know, in terms of uh, Tadlock and and connecting him to Texas. I guess right. you know throughout the off season, right, or, or after the College World Series, but for whatever reason, it you know the past two or three days that that kind of came up and. They've, I guess, pursued so many people, but him coming out with that tweet earlier saying, hey, my family and I are Red Raiders and, you know, we're going to finish what we started here. I mean, just after you list off all those kids that are leaving, it it gives you uh, as a as a tech fan or somebody that has followed this baseball program success under Tim Tadlock. I mean, it gives you a lot of, you know to look forward to in terms of what he can do and, and his coaching staff, what they've been able to develop. So, I mean, you know, they're going to reshuffle the deck. They're going to bring other guys in here. And, you know, as, as much as they're going to lose some of that leadership, I mean, they've, they've just clearly shown, I think the biggest difference in this program and, and really what we do at rivals and Red Raider sports is it, it's identifying talent. And, and the thing about, yeah, yeah the, the thing about baseball is that, you know, some people just choose not to follow it. Some people do the same with basketball just because every sport's so different. And then you get the pro aspect to baseball. But, I mean, right. now baseball's, baseball is wild as far as following, you know, recruiting because you yeah. may have the best recruiting class in the country and then lose half of it the next day. Well, but still, I mean, we look at, like, if you just correlate some of the similarities to football, you know, what helps a coach recruit better? What what helps a, a coaching staff or a program really catch momentum and it's always success on the field combined with a good strategy and really all these guys have to do is point to the you know two college world series appearances um in the past three years big 12 top and nine guys drafted in the major league draft i mean that's all they've got to do and they're going to get in the door for some very talented kids but like you said and and like you pointed out you just got to ride it out and see who's going to come play college ball versus who's going to kind of chase that major league dream uh, right out of high school. Yeah, and and the interesting thing that's going to be about this team and kind of you kind of get a gauge of where where things are at program-wise really at this point under Tim Tadlock because you obviously have your biggest year in program history, and I don't think anybody would really really argue against that, Uh, and you lose basically every single one of your big, you know, veteran pieces off of that team. But at the same time, you bring back a lot of talented guys. You know, uh, you bring back guys like Tanner Gardner and Hunter Hargrove that are kind of going to be the meat of your lineup offensively and, and, and Orlando Garcia. Uh, and then you bring back all those freshman pitchers that were so good for you this year and, 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 and got two more years with all those guys. So I think you feel really good about the pitching staff. But there's going to be a lot of holes to fill as far as everyday starters. you got to find two outfield starters. You got to find at least one infield starter. You got to find a new starter or catcher. So, 
there's a lot of holes, but at the same time, there is a lot of talent on this roster, even not including uh, the class that they're about to bring in or have just brought in this summer. So I think you really look forward to it, and, and you get back a guy like Dylan Dushek as a pitcher. Uh, you have some other guys, other pitchers. You got some, like I said, other guys on campus, Cody Farhat, Trey Ochoa, Anthony Lyons, guys you expect to have roles. Uh, and then you bring in some guys that are freshmen or junior college guys, some guys like uh, a guy named John McMillan, who's going to be an outfielder that turned down a lot of major league money. And then you got a couple of catchers and two Juco guys and, and Zach Reams, who's going to be a first or third baseman and uh, a six nine pitcher in Quentin Forrester, who's you know going to be a, a good JUCO reliever for you. So so yeah, just a lot of talent all over the place, and don't want to ramble too much on it. But uh, but yeah, the most interesting thing, like I said, will be is at this point you learn if this team is going to just reload at this point and just keep kind of chugging along, which I kind of suspect is what's going to happen. Not saying they're going to win another Big Twelve title next year, but I think they'll be really really good again. So that's just kind of the interesting thing from my perspective, and I think that's what you see talented programs do across the country. You know, not just baseball. Yeah, well, I mean, that's I mean, that's what I look at. Just like like we talked about as as being somebody that doesn't know all those names yeah, and, right, and, right, right. and 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 follow the games as closely. But man, it was exciting to uh, be able to to flip it on to ESPN and, and watch them play. And you know, you, you felt for those guys dropping the game to to TCU. But you know, in the end, both teams lost to the to the better team in, in Coastal and kind of kind of silently rooting those guys on um, yeah, as we go through. But, winning tonight, you know, so gonna go be one one in the college world series so those guys have a chance to win the whole thing yeah man so i mean again fun ride and uh they're going to be bringing in some other guys and, and reloading and, and tadlock said he's here to stay so um you know just really gives you a lot of momentum uh on the diamond and and hopefully they can just continue to capitalize on this yeah man you absolutely hope that they can and i, I think they absolutely will so going to be so much fun to see this thing keep uh rolling along and and really you know like i said you've kind of been following it from afar and, and been kind of doing some other things this summer, including, you know, here about two weeks ago, you know, you got to go out to uh, the Rivals Five Star Challenge and, and get to check all of that out. So I guess just first off, Matt, what was that kind of like getting to be out there and, and just kind of get to take that event in for the first time? Because it's, it's a pretty unique deal, even as far as recruiting goes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I had, you know, I've been with Rivals almost three years, I guess, and uh, didn't, really know much about the events didn't really know much about the the conference but uh, over the past year or so I, I was invited to become a publisher um and i'm doing that uh, for the you know texas high school side obviously which i've referenced on red raider sports a few times and shared some articles but uh, i guess part of that is is going out there and uh having the the conference what the cool part is you know they fly in a hundred of the top players uh the following day and and we had an entire media day we had, um, you know, great amenities, great hotel downtown, uh, uh, downtown Atlanta and, uh, Under Armour just really put on a, a great event. Uh, but all the kids showed up, they, they went through check-in we had, and when I say media day, I mean, literally, I don't know, 35, 40 Matt Clares from various schools walking around doing interviews, kind of, you know, just interesting to see the relationships that these kids have with, you know, not only our national team, but also the the team guys like us that, that they're talking to on a weekly, monthly basis. So um, it, it was a good time. I mean, they got to get in, did the camp thing, uh, did you know, we, we don't do testing and stuff like that. But, you know, they put the kids through some some com, uh, competitive stuff. And then uh, the, later that night, 
Uh, they actually did seven on sevens, and so that was pretty cool. Um, just to you know see the best of the best go up against each other. The the comment I made to somebody is that you know it was the the most unique thing for me was that you know we're going to get into satellite camps later in the podcast. But let's say you're at a satellite camp or you're at a whatever you know event. I mean, you're going right. to see let's say two or three guys where you just see them and they pass the eye test, and you're like, whoa, you know that guy's probably a good football player, right? Um, and that's not bulletproof, right? But it's just, it's, it's a reality when we're at those things, you're looking around at, at who's standing out. Well, when you're at this thing, all hundred kids look like they're, you know, the, the, the kin of Zeus or something, you know? And, and so <laughs> you've got Baron Browning walking down the hall and Marvin Wilson and everybody is that size. So that, that was, uh, very interesting to me, but you know, for me, I, I, you know, me personally, and I just, you know, geek on this recruiting stuff. Yeah. So even, even, even going up and meeting a kid that I'll probably never write about cause he's from New Jersey and he's committed to Rutgers. I mean, that, that doesn't mean that he's not one of the best receivers I've ever seen or something like that. Right. So yeah. it's good to meet those kids and kind of see that, uh, the different level of talent. But, uh, you know, the, the, the last portion of, of that weekend was Sunday and that was an underclassman challenge. Um, and, and even more kids from Texas and even more kids from across the nation came in, uh, I want to say that one was closer to 150, 175 mm-hmm. kids. Uh, but yeah, we, we did that. And then they took us straight to the airport and got us out of there. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to, you know, we, we kind of geek out and we, we have our uh, online friends, if you will. These are people we work with and we, you know, write stories together. We do all that stuff. And uh, you never really see them in person or interact with them on a personal level. Um, so it's good to meet those people. Good to good to meet the folks that actually work at Rivals. And you know, it's definitely it's definitely a fun time. I, I enjoyed uh, kind of getting away for a few days and getting yeah. to do that. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, the only bummer part was that obviously I covered Tech and I cover a few other schools. But after the kids talk to twenty twenty five people, not only are there like zero kids that you know have tech interests or reciprocate tech interests but you know i mean there was like one guy and then i think this week tech didn't even make his top eight you know so so i mean that was a bummer but uh you know hopefully hopefully going back and doing some more of those events i mean that will uncover some more stuff but i wish i had more to to you know report back to the the red raider sports board for sure no that's cool and, and it's it's a, it's a good kind of gauge i think uh, like like you said, I think whenever we go out to all these camps and, and kind of see kids at a lot of these, you know, I think even at these, you know, tech satellite camps, which we'll get into, uh, I think a lot of the time it's pretty easy to pick out who the kids are, you know, that even have a chance of getting an offer. They just kind of stick out and jump up off the page. But whenever you go to a place like that, like you said, all the kids look the same and all the kids are, let me, I mean, basically from all the kids there, you could build, a national championship team. I mean, don't you think based off all the kids that are there? I mean, no, absolutely. Well, absolutely. You can, uh, Alabama does it every year. (laughs) I mean, seriously, like you should see this. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you care, look up Najee Harris, he's committed to Alabama. He's like the number two player in the nation. And maybe you just don't hear a lot about him because a, the kid doesn't have a social media account and B, he just doesn't talk much, but he already looks like he could walk across a stage and hug um, Roger Goodell, yeah. <laughs> and it wouldn't like surprise me at all that he was doing that at that point in time. He's just that big, and it's just wild. Uh, I don't know. It's just wild to, to <laughs> yeah. me that, that he's a high school football player going into his senior season. 
No, yeah, and, and like you said, man, wasn't really anybody you know tech interest you know you know there specifically, but uh, maybe there were some underclassmen there. So I guess underclassmen wise, I guess were there any tech guys interest wise that you just off the top of your head that you can think of? Oh no, absolutely. There were kids yeah. there, you know, with uh, with underclassmen interests. Uh, Kirby Bennett was a kid. Uh, he's labeled as an athlete. Into, yeah. yeah, he's labeled as an athlete, but there's a kid where um, he's definitely going to uh, be in the mix for Texas Tech. Uh, they call him athlete, but running back. I, I included him in the wrap up on Coach Foster earlier today, um, but. I don't know. I mean, he another kid that looks like he's just ready to go size wise. Um, so he moved around well. Um, I, I saw great things from him. Um, in terms of, excuse me, in terms of other underclassmen, obviously Verona McKinley uh, the third was there, and you know he always has great things to say about Tech. He'll continue to have Tech, you know, as one of the schools he keeps in touch with. Had good things to say about. Scott's new, um, and so they hadn't immediately, you know, started talking right off the bat. But since they've gotten in touch, they've built a rapport, and he still talks with Coach Gibbs. Um, a few other kids that that we might hear about uh, down the line uh, is going to be here. I'm trying to find all these uh, different names I had, but you know, we we kind of make fun of the names. Uh, Bumper Pool is a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's already got a ton of big offers, but I, I do believe that. Um, he's somebody that'll get a Texas Tech offer eventually. Uh, he's from Lovejoy, and, and Tech just signed an offensive lineman right, out of right. Lovejoy last year. Uh, but I mentioned Bennett. Other than that, you know, we, you know about Joshua Moore. He actually played receiver while he was there, and I mean, I voted him as my top receiver, and it was tough because there were some other ones. Um, I can share. Uh, I can share this article with the board, but I won't go through all these names. The one that. You, you know, everyone's probably familiar with it. And again, these are 2018 kids uh, is Drew Jackson and he's from Saxe and his dad and some of his other family lives in Lubbock. So he's a kid that's been to tech a lot. He's very familiar and comfortable with tech and he's got a lot of early offers other than tech. He's got Louisville, Iowa and Utah and a bunch of other schools talking to him. So, you know, that's a kid I think the coaches might zero in on in terms of the 2018 class or they might have a, a pretty good head start with. Um, I don't know. I mean, in terms of the offensive line and defensive line at the underclassmen, there just wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, Texas, Texas talent or kids yeah, with Texas yeah, ties. Yeah, yeah. You know, there there was a one 2018 offensive guard from Katie, but Tech hasn't had much luck, you know, at Katie, and he hadn't right. been hearing from them. So, you know, we'll, we'll see on that. But the other linebacker uh, was Joshua Reed. He's at Reagan uh, High School. They're going to be changing their name to Houston High heights uh but really? joshua reed and jalen green yeah joshua joshua uh reed and uh jalen green those are teammates linebacker and cornerback uh both of those guys will be targeted by texas tech for sure and then excuse me uh the you know i covered mckinley the the only other kid i was going to mention just because it, it cracked me up i mean there were literally a couple of kids from the 2020 class there uh, and this kid is R.J. Mickens. His father uh, is, you know, R.J. Mickens as well. Um, played in the NFL, former A&M guy. Um, and, and this kid, I mean, I, I think he runs around in the same clique as Verone and, and some of those other guys uh, in terms of, you know, the the, D, the DBs that train with these guys in Dallas and some of these areas uh, throughout the Metroplex. And, and 
just for a kid that's about to be a freshman in high school, he's out there against kids that have like five offers as, as soon to be juniors and he's locking them up. So I just thought that was crazy to me, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm just never surprised at some of these kids that, that show up in the talent that they have because some of these kids are just, I don't know, they're just overly dedicated. It was a, it was a whole different level of competition. I, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Cool. Cool. Well, good deal, man. Just like I said, I just wanted to kind of check with you and see how that was going, but uh but glad that it uh, that it went so well. And uh, speaking of high level of competition, you know, one other thing we wanted to mention, and a little off the off the beaten path as far as uh, what we normally kind of talk about um, before we kind of move on was just wanted to hit on you know just because of how good they're doing, and, and it's really the only kind of big sporting thing going on right now is uh, man, talk about the the Texas Rangers right now, man. Those guys have won uh, twelve of their last fourteen, and I believe are now twenty and six in the month of June, and just. Uh, basically have been, you know, the best team in the league over the last, you know, month essentially. So, uh, it's just been so, especially obviously as a Rangers fan, it's, it's been so much fun to see this group really, really do what they're doing because I, I think that this team at times is probably more than the sum of their parts. I, I kind of think, I think that, that Jeff Bannister just has them playing really well. And I think the thing that you feel so good about here, the last couple games is, uh, despite having, you know, three-fifths of your starting rotation, you know, on, on the shelf right now with, you know, you Darvish and Kobe Lewis and uh, and Derek Holland out, you still are keep winning games. So, so yeah, man, what's just kind of your thoughts on, on where things are at? Because it's just they just keep on winning and winning right now. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild if, if you know, like you, you just touched on the injuries and some of the things that have happened. If, if somebody would have told you before the season that you're going to be down on those guys and that, Chu would have sat out the first, what, you know, however many games that yeah. he sat out. Um, and then, you know, you've, now you've got Mazzara coming in and doing what he's doing, Profar stepping in and, and you know, making too. a place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you just, I think creating that competitive atmosphere, creating that opportunity and, you know, maybe just kind of getting lucky from a timing aspect. But Mazzara, I mean, I think that's the biggest story to me from, uh, you know, what you didn't know or, uh, you know, Ryan how Ruin, it changes Ryan the dynamic too, of your team moving forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, kid's a monster, and, and I see him getting better. Uh, but the coolest part to me is that, you know, I don't know, there's got to be – there's got it's a long season, so there's got to be some – you know, there's got to be some skid or downturn. I don't know, knock on wood, right? Maybe it doesn't happen. But, you know, you've covered the pitching. But really, from a lineup perspective, I think, you know, they're they're hitting the ball and they're making things happen because they've got so many different approaches and so many different hitters and, you know, guys with speed and, and guys that are just getting on base that, that they're making things happen. But really, if you look at, you know, after Mazzara came, it just changed the dynamic of that outfield. And you have, I mean, you've got uh, – Sorry, I'm now I'm John Blaine. Who's this kid playing center field right now? The the guy they signed from the, the Nationals. He yeah, I mean that guy. You know, but the combination of him and Mazzara, you know, those guys aren't on your team last year, and so the fact that they're playing the way that they are right now, I mean, it's incredible. Like if Ian Desmond doesn't make the All Star game as like an alternate or something, I mean, it'd be a travesty just based on his numbers alone. Right. So and, and with uh, him, he's, he's, he's he's playing a position that he's never played before because he was like a yeah. he was an infielder before this year. <laughs> Well, but in some weird way, it's making their defense even better, right? And yeah. so now you've got a healthy Chew, you got Mazzara in left, and you got him in center. And so, I mean, having that, you know, and, and just seeing the, the arm that Mazzara has, some of the things that he's done, it's just wild. And then, of course, you got Profar playing first, and then 
they just keep whatever two three headed monster they put out there at catcher guys you've never heard of. You know they're just they're still just putting up steady stats and and doing what's needed of that position in this lineup. Right, and and I think that's that's the one thing you worry about is I think you wonder if you wonder more so if and, and I do think Jeff Bannister has proved to be. Uh, you know, just an incredible manager and has done a lot more with this team than a lot of other people would. But you wonder how much of, like you said, all these kind of move, moving around and shifting parts is going to, if any of it's ever going to fall apart. And I think that's a big question, don't you? Well, yeah, and I think that inevitably, you know, the numbers look great now, but you're going to get into more division play. And you can't go forever without missing, uh, you know, without noticing that Darvish and Holland and Lewis are gone. Yeah, I mean, that's the the main concern. And, and the bullpen hasn't been bulletproof either. You know, they're, they're going to have to shore that up. But when you're hitting, when whenever you're bringing guys up and you're constantly hitting and you're signing these free agents for, you know, next to nothing and getting the type of production you are from Desmond. I mean, it just creates so much more value and so much more opportunity or reason for you to make that move and solidify these different parts of the roster. So in a weird way, these guys being injured could even make the bullpen or the, the bullpen and the starting rotation stronger. In my opinion, if the the right person, you know, becomes available via trade or, you know, what have you at the break, um, it'll be pretty interesting. And, And not to mention that, uh, you know, I mean, the guys that are bringing up are getting the job done. Like we said, Perez is looking better. Hamels is like the Terminator this month. I mean, yep. it's just nuts. So to it, the the major long term goal is just to get those guys healthy. Because if you can roll, I mean, the, the Rangers have had good teams, but if you can roll Hamels and Darvish, you know, a locked in pair in the, the playoffs, I mean, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, man, you're going to win a ton of games. And like you said, I think that that's the best thing right now about. Uh, what's going on with this team is that you hope that because you have three year starters out that, that it, you end up making the rest of the, the bullpen stronger. And I think that's, that's really what, uh, what you kind of look at, but, uh, just kind of looking here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you obviously get the Yankees, uh, the next two days and I'm trying to move to July on their calendar. Cause I haven't looked and I'll be honest. Uh, and then you play twins, Red Sox twins again, uh, before the all-star break. So, I mean, that's a very manageable stretch before you get to the all-star break, you know? Oh, I saw some crazy stat today. I mean, and, and again, you know, we'll, we'll move on to better things here, right. you know, for the, the Astros fans, but man, I mean, the Astros are killing it right right now too. It's just that, you know, as, as well as they're playing and as many games as they're winning, the Rangers are winning too. So I think over the, they, they, I don't know the exact numbers, but I saw a stat this morning to where, you know, on their hot streak, they've only gained half a game. So it's like they're back nine and a half games now. So, I mean, it's got to be frustrating. But, I mean, you know, they got off to that slow start, and then the head-to-head, you know, matchups has set and gone their way. But as we saw last year, you know, shoe could be on the other foot. I mean, yep. It's a long season. So that's why we say, you know, let's enjoy the good times as they roll. But, gosh, I mean, to have uh, Darvish back and to even get Lewis back, I mean, y'all can keep Holland. I don't, I don't need him. Yeah, uh, yeah, find yeah. somebody else, but I'm just kidding. But but uh, but just to get those guys back and, and healthy, and maybe just kind of playing the long game there. And, and hey, like I said before, the interesting thing is, you know, because some of these young guys they're hitting on so many of these young guys that makes some of your other trade ships available to to go after some of these things. I mean, what if what if you could get a really good pitcher uh, to be that solid number three? 
And then the then going into a postseason, you just have to decide if Perez gets the ball in game four or game three, or if Lewis gets it, whatever. Lewis turns into your long man, whatever. I mean, the scenarios could go on and on. Yeah, scenarios can keep kind of going however uh, however you kind of want it, and I think that's been the good thing so far has been the depth of the pitching as a whole. So, uh, so yeah, just excited to see where things go as far as with the Rangers. And uh, So, yeah, just really kind of wanted to get into the Rangers with how good their year's going. No, it isn't tech stuff, but it's certainly noteworthy with how well they're doing. And obviously a lot of you guys are uh, are Rangers fans and, and, and really love what's going on right now. And no baseball's on the brain for a lot of you guys anyway with how uh, Tech's been doing in the postseason. So, so yeah, I just wanted to riff on that before uh, before we jumped into these you know next two topics, which are kind of our big events for the night. And the first of which is uh, just really wanted to kind of get into satellite camps and what we saw from the three here in June. You know, obviously had one in Dallas at Euless Trinity, in East Texas at Longview, and then had one down in Houston at Episcopal High School. So, uh, Matt, I guess before we kind of jump into the three camps individually themselves, what were kind of the things that – I know you only got to go to one, but but just from what you saw, from what you read from me, just kind of what were your vibes from uh, the satellite camp and what you just kind of thought overall about them? Well, I think, you know, the main thing is it is what we expected. There's just so many more of these satellite camps and so many more schools holding these camps. I mean, for example, I think two hours before the tech camp started at the exact same high school, LSU had had a camp earlier in the day. Um, and, and you know, I guess uh, the first thought was maybe some of the kids will linger around, maybe not participate, but hang out afterwards. I didn't really see that happen. Um, and, and, you know, sure there was some tech commits there, but maybe not as many kids hanging out and not participating as in the past. Um, and then the same goes for, you know, just kids that were there for, um, 2017. I mean, we're going to talk about it here in a minute, uh, with all the commitments, but you know, how much do you pay attention to the offensive line? How much do you look at quarterbacks? How much are you looking at this, that, and the other? I mean, I can't sit here and tell you any underclassmen really, really wowed me in, in Houston other than mm-hmm. uh, a select few that, that we had covered in the notebook. Uh, but, you know, you end up, if the only one I went to is Houston, you know, if they've they've gotten a commitment from that camp so far, so we're doing good there. Um, and the, the tradition of identifying talent, you know, carries on. So uh, be interested to see you know, how, how it kind of shakes out and, and what your thoughts were from Dallas and East Texas. But, you know, again, like I said, not a bad thing, but just lower, maybe lower numbers, um, but but not by much, you know, noticeable, yeah, yeah. But, but not by much. And I think a lot of that has to do with how many other schools are doing satellite camps now, which include, uh, like you said, LSU, you know, A&M's doing them, Texas is doing them, uh, Alabama's doing them in state, Michigan's doing them in state. You know, everybody is doing this thing now where, even, you know, two years ago, Tech was one of the only schools really kind of doing it, and we're kind of honestly ahead of the curve as far as uh, that kind of ordeal goes. So, uh, so yeah, I think part of that is just you kind of divide up the talent pool between the camps. Kids have to, you know, pick and choose where they go. And so I think you just, you just kind of end up with less numbers uh, overall than you did. But uh, I, I would say that the one thing that really stuck out to me from all three camps really was just kind of how – the, the, okay, so you obviously add a handful of new assistants to this staff, and it's really was kind of impressed me the in, intensity and the energy that those guys brought uh, to these camps as far as instructing these kids. A lot of these kids, of which you know they know they're never going to offer and never going to have any real interest in, but I, I think you just saw the energy of the whole camps jump up because of uh, guys like Carl Scott, guys like Deshaun Foster, 
and Emmett Jones. I think all three of those guys are, are super energetic guys that really seem to want to get after it, and, and they love you know just just the competition, and, and they want to see these kids do well at the camps. So that was really fun for me to see to get to, to get to kind of see how those guys uh, interact with kids and how they get after it. Because I think all three of those guys. Uh, are very relatable in different ways. I think that you know Coach Scott is kind of an intense guy, kind of a, a, a no-nonsense guy. I think uh, Emmett Jones is a very relatable guy that I think a lot of these, these guys uh, really kind of look up to quite a bit. And then I think you have a guy like uh, Deshaun Foster who's a little bit younger and you know has a little bit more fun, I think, and, and is, is a little more easygoing, but at the same time he really gets after it when he coaches. So uh, that was kind of the fun thing for me to kind of see. I guess what did you kind of see from – uh, and what have, what's kind of been your experience interacting with kind of these new assistants too, Matt? I mean, I was just going to say Joe Robinson looked like he was running the show. Yeah. In yeah. my opinion. He was, yeah, <laughs> and, I agree. And then you watch some of these practice videos, and he's up there shouting from his uh, special teams tower, uh, bird's eye view deal, whatever you call that thing, the lift. With his bowl, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, like you said, you just a lot of different guys, a lot of new guys. Liked what I saw from Coach Foster, Coach Scott, um, and, and, you know, the same goes for, for really all the new guys. You could see that, uh, y- you know, a lot of the, the board keeps asking for defensive line offers and, and, you know, I think those will come. You just have to remember that, that, you know, these are new coaches, so they could come in and just start offering anyone with a pulse yeah. and, and, you know, get some commitments, but I think they're going to wait till after the camps and I really could see, um, cause, cause, Coach Patrick had a GA running the actual drill, and he would go around and he would just watch. And so I think he did get a lot of evaluation. Yeah, he's done trying to email, that. yeah. Yeah, and I think they're going to go back and and after all the camps are done, they're going to have a powwow and they're going to talk about maybe some new offers. But you know, right now is a quote unquote dead period. All that means is the the coaches can't see the kids in person right now. Um, but still, a lot of relationship building, a lot of a lot of phone calls, a lot of messaging being done right now. Um, so so I think that you know we're going to get to it. Like I said earlier, we're going to talk about the recent run of commitments. But I think you might be able to see that continue later in the summer as some of these newer offers go out as well yeah absolutely absolutely i think so and uh you know you saw a couple offers go out from some of these camps uh even, even while you got it like i said you get one commit so that's kind of where we'll start and kind of dive in and i'll i'll just kind of start off with uh this camp at Ulyss trinity in dallas and uh, i've been to this one for the last four or five years in a row now and it had kind of been one i would say out of the two dallas camps it always had been uh the weaker one i think hadn't ever been uh, as well attended as the ones they've done, you know, at Lancaster. And this year they're going to do at, at Duncanville, which I think will be a really well-attended camp. And I think part of that is just kind of being in, in North DFW as opposed to South DFW, where I think uh, more of the kids are just, just in general. But, uh, but yeah, I thought this was a super talented camp for the first time in a while for, as far as, you know, U.S. Trinity itself. There was a, a whole lot of guys, and there were a lot of 2018 kids at this camp, which was kind of really the the big sticking point of the day. And, the guys and a guy that we've already mentioned, uh, the guy that really kind of stuck out, or two guys that really stuck out the most to me. First was, uh, you know, Allen, you know, 2018 athlete and running back who, you know, was at, you know, the the Rivals Challenge is, is Kirby Bennett, who's a 2018 kid that got an offer after the camp, after uh, Coach Foster got to see him in person, and I was really impressed with him and how he moves around, and uh, I think he's 100% a running back all the way at the next level, so... Uh, really liked what I saw out of him. Uh, you know, U.S. Trinity DB Cam Jones is another guy that, that I loved, and I think he kind of lives up to the hype and was, was really good. 
Uh, Franklin 2018 offensive tackle Casey Phillips is another guy that is a younger kid that, that still is growing a lot into his body. But I think that Coach Hayes and uh, and Jared Castor, I think both those guys, you know, as far as coaching the offensive line, really, really love what they saw out of him as far as a younger guy. And uh, I think he's a guy that Tech is in really good position with early on and a kid that could potentially uh, really blow up as far as what's going on. Uh, a couple other guys, I guess, that, that really stuck out to me. The first would be uh, Grapevine 2018 quarterback uh, Alan Bowman, who, while he isn't necessarily a dual-threat guy like a lot of these other guys Tech's been recruiting, I thought he really, really threw the ball around well, and I was super impressed with him and his ball placement. I uh, liked a lot what I saw from him. Uh, and then the other guy that I think will probably end up being the biggest prospect from this camp when all is said and done, and he's a guy I know you were high on before, Matt, is uh, Dallas Carter 2018 defensive end Jarrell Cherry, who picks up an offer the day after the camp. And he's a dude who, as a defensive end, is still like, you know, 6'3", like 210, 220, 230, something like that right now. But a, but a young pup. A young, yeah, young kid, 2018 kid. But he ran a 4.64 at the camp. So, I mean, a kid that I think has all the potential in the world and doesn't know it yet, but a kid I think Tech will really benefit from getting on top of. Uh, I mean, he could, but on. but but now that you've seen him in person, though, what I mean is is you can see like how young he is in the face, but you look at his frame and you can he well, can hold 40, 40, 50 more pounds, I think, easy. Yeah, and, and he's going to be a kid that's a defensive end that I think is going to be a monster once once he really grows. And I think, like I said, you're you're great for getting on him. So I guess just from what you read about my notes, was there anything that kind of stuck out to you about uh, Trinity and or in what you kind of saw there from my notes, Matt? Um, no, I mean, I think the, the kids that are, that were offered afterwards were some of the kids that you said, you know, perform the, the, the best. And I think that, um, you know, I, you don't see a ton of 2017 offers come out of the deal. Um, but the, the good news is that, you know, you, you start to identify some of these 2018 guys early. And so, you know, the, the obvious thing is, you know, how many of these guys are interested for the long term or how many of these guys are just going to kind of blow up and forget about little old Texas Tech. I mean, time will tell. Um, it but happens I, every I really year. Think, well, yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, we, we brought up Kirby Bennett earlier. And I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about it. I've written about it. And, and I mean, we've both had a chance to talk to, to Coach Foster. I mean, he, he he was a bigger back himself. I mean, he played at six foot two hundred and twenty two in the mm-hmm. NFL. So he kind of believes in that bigger guy. And look at Kirby Bennett with two years left to play in high school. He's already six foot one ninety five. So uh, I think he's got a bright future. And it's really just about getting in there and saving the right spot. And, and given their current depth, you know, you can look at it two ways. You know, you lay low unless the perfect opportunity presents itself in twenty seventeen, and then you tell a Bennett or another kid, hey, look. We saved, uh, you know, we didn't take a kid last year. We really think you could be our feature back, you know, within the next, uh, yeah. you know, a few seasons, whatever, right? And, yeah. and then see what he can do. But I think the proof's in the pudding with Foster. And, and like you said, I mean, the guys that, that were out there um, and the way it's con- uh, currently constructed, I mean, you've got some guys that are some, that, that are recruiters, you know, and, and these guys are, this nucleus of coaches has really only been together for four months. So when you think about it like that, um, and, and you think that, you know, you've got a Morris who's, 
you know, already proven kind of what he can do on the recruiting trail. You've got Hayes, obviously, who's killing it. And then now you've got Coach Scott who's getting on a roll. We know what Coach Jones is capable of and, and who he knows in the DFW area. Now you add Foster, who's the, the last guys he's targeted. You know, coincidentally, even though he was on the West Coast, both of them came from Plano. You had yep. Soso Jamebo, uh, who's a five-star in the 2015 class. and played and last year, yeah. Right, and then Brandon Stevens, who uh, who was highly recruited, another six one, two hundred and five pound running back um, out of Plano, uh, who had tons of offers last year. So, I, I mean, you know, you got to just like what uh, what Coach Foster has done and and what he's capable of. I think he I think he really likes uh, the, the kids that he's offered since he's been here. Um, it, it's a short list, and Curry Bennett's the only twenty eighteen guy that he's offered. Um, so it's uh, you know, I, I mean, we talked to Kirby about that. He understands that you know he understands that and i think that they're off to a great start there now what they end up doing in 2017 i mean we'll see we've covered a few guys we've talked brought up a few names but nothing's really ever progressed or gotten serious i mean either that's kind of gone by the wayside or it just hasn't really picked up momentum and i think at this point they're i think unless they have another scholarship open up they're probably not going to take a running back at this point unless it's just like a dude that they feel like they can't do without like a bigger guy or something like that because I'll tell you, I do think that, and he was a kid that it was that was at the the Trinity camp. Is uh, Desoto running back Jamani Williams is a guy that I was really liked a lot, and I really do think that uh, just kind of based off uh, talking to him and, and and what I've heard, you know, from some from some other guys, I think he's a guy that if Tech was taking a running back, I think he would already got picked up an offer after that camp. So. Well, and you remember in Houston, well, I guess, well, we're talking about Euless Trinity, but yeah. I mean, Traylon, yeah. Yeah, there's guys like that that, you know, you and I look at each other and you're like, dang, you know, that's usually an offer, like, every other year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, just just a guy, I would say that even if you're a fan of recruiting, watch out for that kid because he doesn't have any offers yet, but DeSoto running back, Jamani Williams, it's J-A-M-O-N-N-E. Make sure that's a kid if you just like fall on recruiting that you keep tabs on because he'll get he'll be a kid that late blows up I think so so yeah just wanted to cover that with the U.S. Trinity camp and uh, before just quickly because it was a smaller camp and there just wasn't as much going on before we get into the Houston Episcopal camp with you and I just really really quickly wanted to touch on the Longview camp because uh, mm-hmm. just 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 honestly wanted to say wasn't as great of a camp this year and I know several guys that went to the A&M camp in Shreveport the same, the day before and have been to a couple of the LSU camps along the border this year and they said that they haven't been very well atten- attended either so I don't know what the deal is because I, I know there was from my guess you know there was about 85 to 100 kids at that camp which kind of blew my mind because even last year and years before it's been a camp that has been maybe their biggest one every year as far as attendance wise goes so um, so not a lot of kids there, and only really a handful of kids, I think, that could have gotten an offer, um, which includes, and, and one of the guys that really stuck out the most to me out of you know the entire three-camp circuit is uh, Gladewater safety Austin Hawley, who's uh, a kid that has some size to him. You look at him, and he looks like a linebacker, uh, but, but he has, you know, he's, he's real smooth, he's fluid, uh, he pinpoints the ball real well when it's in the air, he was good in coverage, so... I think he's a guy to keep tabs on as far as a, maybe a guy that Tech really kind of wants to see early on in the year. He's a guy I would really look at. Uh, another kid that uh, that probably won't get an offer, but but I think probably will, already has a handful of other offers, is Tyler Bishop Gorman, uh, receiver Judah Bell, who's got Houston and a handful of others. I think Minnesota is another one that he has. 
Uh, he's like a six-two-six-three kid I really liked as far as being an outside receiver. But to be honest, I just don't think he's good enough for Tech to offer at this point uh, as far as outside receivers. So, uh, so that's just kind of where you're at with that one. Uh, but the really interesting thing is with Trinity Valley, uh, who Trinity Valley Junior College quarterback Michael Curtis. And from what I've kind of gathered, I think Tech's pretty legitimately interested in him and maybe picking him up as a second quarterback in the class because I think there is a lot of concern at this point and legitimate concern with the Tech staff that they might lose uh, Mahomes to the draft after this year if he has a really good year. So I think they're definitely keeping their options open as far as looking for a junior college or maybe a, tr- a guy that will transfer in uh, before the season start. this season starts and can sit out a year. So he's a guy that really impressed me. He threw the ball around well. He's a 6'2", 6'3", guy that I think is is moves around really well. Is You can tell he, he knows how to scramble. I think he ran a 4'6", 4'5", at the camp. So he's a guy that can run around if you need him to a little bit. So... And he's also very familiar with Derek Willies. Played with him last year at Trinity, so there's there's a pre-established relationship there. I know he's already been up to Lubbock before, so those are kind of the, the couple things that stuck out to me. Really wasn't much else else from the camp as far as that camp this year. Uh, just kind of a smaller deal, just kind of how it was. So uh, so yeah, really just all I kind of wanted to talk about. Unless there's anything else you want to get into about the Longview camp, Matt. Matt. Oops. Sorry, oh, I pressed good. mute. My bad. Not the only uh, the, no, I think you wrapped those up pretty well. I wasn't there, so I can't say much. But uh, you know, again, we had a we had some JUCO quarterback uh, action in Houston, so we kind of were scratching our head. And then you verified it the next day when you had another kid out there slinging the ball. So I mean, it's interesting. I mean, better safe than sorry, right? That's my philosophy. Yeah. So um, take a take a JUCO kid, not. Take a JUCO right, kid, right. whatever, right? Take some walk-on named Baker, you know, whatever, Something, right? Whatever, no biggie, whatever. Just a guy <laughs> named Baker Mayfield, whatever. Um, but you, you you know about Austin Hawley as well, too, and he's a kid that you told me before the camp that you thought might be a borderline offer. Yeah, I, uh, I always go out to the CRO buddy Mike Graham at the ETSN uh, camp there in East Texas, and I don't know, I think that was probably a month or a month and a half back, and that's where half, I yeah. met. Yeah, that's where I met Austin and one of our other buddies that writes out there said, hey, you know, this is a great kid, big kid. You know, I think he could be, you know, somebody that tech targets later in the process, blah, blah, blah. Got to talk to him. And, and like you said, I mean, big kid. Uh, so I could definitely see him, you know, get growing into a big safety. Uh, for or the maybe even an backfield. outside linebacker because they play. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he's, he's a big guy. So, uh, but no, I mean, you could see the ability there and, you know, you get to know him, you talk to him, great kid. Uh, everybody that I met and asked about, you know, had the same thing to say. So again, I think it still stands there as a kid that's on their radar, but just isn't an offer right at this moment. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with where some of these other dominoes are falling in mm-hmm. this class right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely cool, cool. So that's all we'll talk on Longview because, like I said, it was just kind of one of those weird years where just don't get a lot of kids out there for whatever reason, but uh, but it is what it is. So we'll wrap up the camp talk with uh, the Houston Episcopal camp, which was the first one they did and the one that both – uh, Matt and I were at so I guess first off Matt just kind of your thoughts overall on the Episcopal camp because uh, I do think there were a number of kids out there and, and they offered a couple kids from the camp 
Well, I mean, we kind of talked about it earlier. It was just the tech coaches, and I, I feel the way that it was set up, you know, was was kind of perfect because everybody wanted to grab some shade. Um, and there's a little walkway there, a little corridor at the high school, and then everybody had to walk over uh, to the football field. And, and it just gave you – the way they had it set up is all the kids would walk through. They would register at a table, and then they would kind of horseshoe around the sidewalk to do height and weight. And as they're doing that, the coaches are meeting them, talking with them. Mm-hmm. They're doing the same things that we would do if they didn't know a kid. Hey, here's a six foot five, three hundred pound lineman. What's I'm up, introduce buddy? myself yeah. and talk to him, you know. And and same thing goes for some some of the current commits. They're getting, you know, they're getting love. Um, they they were getting all the attention uh, as well. And then there were certainly some kids like a Jordan Whittington, uh, where you know we show up and and we see that you know he stands out. Um, turns out he's 2019, which is still wild to me. Um, but yeah. but you know a lot of those kids like that that stuck out. Um, Toby and Dukeway, who's an SMU commit. Um, is another one of those guys who's who's just a borderline offer, um, kind of like we talked about with Holly. Um, and going back to our conversation on Kevin Patrick, I think he's just still really evaluating. And a lot of the guys that he had maybe offered early, you know, you've got the kid that committed to Northwestern over several other offers. You got the kid who just uh, committed to Vanderbilt now uh, to to join his brother there at Vanderbilt. So I mean, we'll we'll have to re rack things and take another look at the board. But I, I highly uh, expect and anticipate some defensive tackle and defensive end offers to mm. now I don't know how many defensive tackles showed up t- at these camps right now really I'll, I'll say close to zero so we'll see what happens there, in was, a, there was a kid from Mansfield that showed up at Euless but that well he was the only legit one I ever saw yeah so like I said I mean I don't expect much in terms of the the fines at the satellite camp but uh in terms of just recruitment and offers you know that's that's what I see coming out of that but uh yeah I mean those are the main guys that stuck out to me we kind of touched on Traylon Smith earlier he's actually since committed to Arizona State but just a kid you and I both really like and uh, you know maybe if circumstances were different he would be an offer uh, yeah, but this so. year I just don't know if running back's going to be as much of a priority uh, so we'll yeah, see. Yeah, no, no, it's not. And uh, thought there were some really good uh, receivers at this camp. Yeah, I know we've already just touched on one that uh, Jordan Whittington, man, he's a kid that plays at Quero right now. That he says like he's a 2019 kid that looks like half the seniors do right now already. You know, as a kid that's still 15 and just going to be a sophomore. And super impressed with him. And he'll be a guy that blows up. And he's a guy I know that this coaching staff is really, really, really trying to make sure they get in on here, you know, you know, strike the iron while it's hot here before everybody else figures out, you know, who this kid is. And uh, probably before he ends up at one of these other programs, you know, in, uh, in, in Houston at one of these Cypress or, or, uh, you know, Bel Air or somewhere like that. So, uh, so yeah, he's a kid that I loved. Uh, I thought Kalen Barnes was another kid that looks really good. He's pretty raw, but he's super athletic and he was, God, he's a fast kid. The Silsby 2018 receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a kid that picked up an offer after the camp. And then uh, another kid was, you know, Cy Ridge wide receiver Kevin Ledee, who is a the spitting image clone of uh, my man. Antoine Cox yeah, Wesley. Okay, they look like the exact yeah. same person. Like, you, you no, we talked look, about you know. that. I mean, yeah. and it's another kid where, like, I, I feel like Tech – you know, might offer if, if it were a different class or if they had different spots. But right now, I mean, it just, it's not happening, you know? Uh, but, but I liked what I saw out of him. And, you know, I, I guess the, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Adrian Fry. Um, yeah, which is and, the next year I think I was going to get on. Yeah. 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 And, and 
I mean, that's the commitment that come out of the camp. And, you know, honestly, I tell this story on the boards, but when I walked up, you know, I'd gotten there a, a bit before you, um, uh, just to, to try and beat traffic. And unfortunately you didn't beat traffic, but, um, we got there on time. We covered the camp, but there were only two kids there when I showed up and Adrian was one of them. And I was just going to kind of plug in my devices, make sure I had juice. And, uh, I started introducing myself and, you know, I said that the way I described it on the boards, the way I'll say it right here is, is we do the eye tests, we do all that. And this kid, he looked the part and I said, Hey, what's your name? And, you know, we, we exchanged, uh, information and, and I said, well, uh, you know, Eisenhower, that's a, it's pretty, pretty popular school when it comes to recruiting, you know, what, what's going on. Oh, I have, I have eight offers, sir. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. You know, uh, I, first I've heard of you, you know, so I'm getting the information, I'm exchanging contact info. And, and as soon as the you know camp was over, we were talking about how, was, you know, set up his profile and all that. I mean, what was it like maybe a day or two later? He's, two days, uh, yeah. yeah, he's getting the offer or as that, that Friday. So camp on Tuesday offered and committed on Friday. Days, so, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's how it go with, uh, with satellite camps. And so I think, you know, that won't be the last we hear from Adrian Fry. We're going to learn more. Uh, we're going to get back with him and, and get more information with the hustle and bustle. You know, I wish I had 10 pics of the kid. I wish I had video of the kid. Unfortunately, it just didn't happen that day. Uh, but yeah. he was one of the only defensive backs to, uh, to truly, you know, hold down the kid from, uh, Sisbley, the, the 2018 kid, and even got a pick, uh, on one of the one-on-ones. So, um, I liked him from a makeup standpoint. The offer list doesn't jump off the page or anything, but eight offers is eight offers. And I think that's more than, than some kids can say that they had, you know, at any given point. So, uh, it'll be interesting and, just to see how it goes. But a kid that, uh, I guess he had, maybe you talked to him or Drew talked to him, but he had some, some family ties to Lubbock or he just grew up a fan of Lubbock yeah. or I'm sorry, Texas Tech. And another one of these where it's just like, oh, okay, there's some odd connection that I wasn't, you know, really thinking about uh, involved here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, another another uh, another uh, commitment for Coach Scott, and it just kept rolling. Yeah, and uh, but before we jump into that, you know, he's a kid that I think it's you're kind of going the Demarcus Fields route, you know, with him. Where uh, I think they knew who he was before the camp, got to see him in person, you know, checks off all the boxes. You like what you see in person. You like how he competes. So you say, all right, you pull the trigger. And I, you know, was kind of the exact same way it happened with both those kids. And I think, uh, with a, with a kid like Demarcus, I think though that that coaching staff has, you know, to me and to, uh, to you, and I know to, you know, at all of their, uh, you know, recruiting lunch dinners they did, you know, this year, I think we're very vocal about the fact that they thought Demarcus just totally flew under the radar. Uh, and just nobody really knew about him, and for whatever reason, I think because he was out in Taylor, and I think, uh, I, I think with a kid like Adrian, I think it was more so just because of how early it was in the process for him uh, with all this kind of stuff. Because like I said, man, I mean, if there's a kid in Houston who you know has some offers, you're probably going to have an idea at least of who he is, right? And he's a kid you didn't know, you know, who he was at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to some extent, but I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say it like that, right? But usually, if a kid has eight offers, I have at least right, eight offers. You know, have an idea of who he is. Yeah, least. but the, that's the good news is like I don't need to know everybody, right? But I mean, I guess I'm just trying to say that for people listening. But yeah, I was surprised, and and you know, in terms of it says six foot one sixty five. I mean, 
I want to I want to get some verification because he is very long and and I you know I, I just think that you know Coach Gibbs was there watching him the rest of the coaches were there and he just like you said he did everything right and and they liked what they saw and and then when you look on tape I mean he's a he's a kid that also returns kicks and punts and and shows a lot of speed so like I said before. Still a lot to know, uh, still a lot to learn about Fry. Uh, but that, you know, obviously had to have been the, the, the big headline from the Houston camp. But, um, I guess my, my last thoughts on the Houston camp were it's great to see, uh, Quincy Addison, Will Farrar, and Adam Beck. I think right. that the Beck commitment had just happened over the weekend, um, as well as really as well as Farrar, right? Uh, which we're going to get into, but Beck being the one that, you know, is, is the, the, now the, the quote unquote, you know, highest rated uh, defensive guy that you have. And, and just a soft spoken guy kind of stays to himself, but you can really see from when they'd offered him early on to now, I mean, he's grown, he's matured as a prospect and he's coming off a state title and, He's a kid that that truly has the size and the 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 length to play safety or cornerback in this defense. So, um, you know, after this season, depth is something that they're really going to have to replenish, and it's just good to see them, you know, getting those guys there and and those guys kind of getting to know one another as future teammates too. Yep, and and I think with all these freshmen they brought in this last year, as far as defensive backs, and then all the guys they're going to bring in this year, I think moving into 2017, 2018, I think this staff really is going to have. Uh, a big crew of DBs that you know they can move and kind of grow with for the future guys that they've recruited and guys that fit what they want to do. So, so I think the future bright at defensive back and and for the first time in a long time, I think you really like where things are going there. So, uh, speaking of you know how things been going at defensive back and I guess just recruiting in general, you know you go uh, you, everybody kind of starts wondering you know at the end of May or yeah I guess at the, at the end of May or so you kind of start wondering you know well where's all the commits you know kind of where are uh what's kind of going on you know what's the deal because you only have a handful of kids committed and then you just get a big big old flurry of guys and, and mostly on the offensive line and then like you said at, at DB so I guess uh it's funny Matt because we didn't think it would happen at all like it happened last year but uh, come to find out, it happened exactly like it happened last year. Yeah, I mean, we we even had roundtables, and uh, I think both of us wrote about it in various articles. And, I mean, I, you know, it just kind of comes in waves, and that's why I say I expect, you know, I don't expect July to be more, um, but I do expect there to be, you know, another at least three commitments, you know, because kids start to make these or start to take these visits and start to make decisions before that senior season. And so, you know, if that happens uh, and, it, and it starts to benefit Texas Tech, we'll see it. But, you know, we're, we're going to have to just update the board, update the spots and really start to look at where those are going to come from. But if you just look at it from if you consider the offense basically done, except for maybe what one or two pieces that's fair to say right i mean yep. we're going to go over these commitments each you know each one but you got maybe one more offensive lineman possibly another uh receiver if the right guy is uh is available and i think or both, they have a, both of those would have to be the right guy right 
Well, they'd be like right. they're they're only they're they're fishing in a in a small pond, right? They're For they're targeting fish. a few yeah. people and and maintaining some relationships, but they've got their quarterback. You know, they may or may not take a running back. So you're you're pretty much you, that <laughs> side of the ball is pretty much set. And now you that you've added some guys in the defensive backfield. You know, certainly linebacker and defensive line need to be addressed. But man, you got eight months to do it. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that. Uh, you know, this thing's trending in the right direction, and, and we'll just have to kind of wait and see what shakes out the rest of the summer. Yeah. So let's just kind of dive into this head first. And I think we'll start with the offensive line because that's really kind of where you see the the interesting deal on this. So you, ha- you have two guys committed, and you know you're going to have a bunch of guys visiting here uh, in the next week or so. And this is the first week of June where you know you're going to have, you know, seven, eight offensive linemen visit in a span of two weeks. And uh, Tech, you know, obviously offers uh, my man Del- Dylan Weaver from New Mexico, and you know he commits, and then Casey Verholz commits, and those two guys really kind of started the chain reaction uh, that led to you having you know six guys committed on your offensive line. So, and I don't want to interrupt, but I don't know why the dates are backwards, but I know for a fact that. Weaver committed later that day because he noticed Verholst commit. Yeah, yeah. It was, so it's, it was it's backwards, but flip it either way. You're sitting there on a Tuesday, and you've got two new offensive linemen commits. And, you know, I know the guys have since rated Weaver a three-star, but back then, you know, he – and still to this day, you know, you look at his other offers, and you're like, well, okay, cool. I mean, six six two eighty. 280. I like the highlights. I mean, don't know what to make of it. But I got to say, guys, I mean, I think the coaches might like Weaver. You know, he might be like in the top two or top three in terms of like O-lineman prospects. Yeah, I, they they I, really uh, like this kid. Yeah, and I've got a story for you. So uh, so, so, so I, th- I think what kind of happened with that was uh, I believe Eric Morris kind of knew about him and had been out in New Mexico and uh, saw him. And then he was like, hey, you know, Lee, you need to come check this kid out and, you know, give him a look. So. I think Hayes was kind of hesitant to go out to New Mexico and check out a kid didn't know much about and uh, got out there and just was blown away, I think, by uh, the size of him and, and how he was built and the kind of kid he was. Just kind of this country-strong big kid that's pretty raw but I think has a lot of tools and, and really, I think, love his potential and upside. So extend that offer. And, you know, before he even, you know, visits, he decides, you know, to pull the trigger and uh, – and kind of starts this chain reaction. I think you had him. You had a guy like Casey Verholz at the end of the day, who I think is really all about Texas Tech, and I think that really stuck out to this coaching staff, and I think that's one of the big reasons why they kind of went after him is kind of just how you know enthusiastic and how much he loves the class. So uh, you get those two guys. And so then you're sitting at four, and I think that's when a lot of these other guys, their eyeballs kind of start to shift over to what's going on, you know, kind of catches their attention because mm-hmm. they know you're at four commits and Tech's only taking six. So you got a couple spots left. And I think at that point, uh, Lee Hayes just said, look, guys, you know, I got two spots left and uh, it's up to y'all. You know, whoever commits first out of, you know, this group of guys, that's they get it. So I think that was whenever you saw – uh, Jared Hawker and Will Farrar both decide, you know, I, I think both those guys had been super interested in tech and both of them uh, liked what was going on a lot already. And I think that was just kind of the, for, for them anyway, I don't want to say they just jumped because they needed They had, they felt like they had to jump. Sure. But, sure. I, but I think they all ultimately, both of those guys ultimately really loved what's going on at tech. And I think they both just kind of knew it was time to make that decision if they were going to make it before they 
uh, lost that opportunity. And I think uh, just this kind of group of six, from my opinion, is probably on paper uh, as a group the best you've signed in, in as long as I can remember anyway, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, the the you have to point out the fact that yeah, they noticed other kids committing. I mean, Weaver said as much so himself. And look, you know, let's let's treat it how it is. We talked about Weaver's offer list. You know, who else was he going to commit to? That's fine, right? Time will tell, and he might get more offers. Whatever, who cares? You know, it just depends on what he does with the opportunity at Texas Tech. I only say that because. Verholst had like 15 offers. Yep. Hawker is a 5.73 star with you know plenty of other offers and interests. Same with Will Ferrar, who has almost 30 or a 30 plus different of offers. offers. Yeah. Right. So you know all, every kid had its different story, but for me, I think the big one, you know, long term is going to be Jared Hawker because he's another one of these kids. And and what I always like about offensive linemen is everybody's going to have their own personality. Everybody's going to have you know their their own thing. Verholst is more of like it's the a, it's you know a unique group from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, don't let's not forget we have Jack Anderson in this group and, and Dawson. We don't want to forget about the the OGs, yeah. if you will, the Bash brothers, right? But but we're talking about the new guys. And Verholst is kind of your carefree guy, you know, whatever. Had a great time. I can wear my. Uh, my my uh, Columbia shirts and cowboy hats out there. I I thought it was a perfect <laughs> yeah. fit, you know. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Weaver is you know just he's a regional guy and Tech was his best offer. He wanted to jump on it and he's super happy about it. When it comes to Hawker, you know he had committed early to Kansas and he started to get more and more interest. And you just look at this kid from some of the pictures six five two ninety six. I feel like you you look at some of these measurables and and they throw you off a little bit, right? Because if we're having the same conversation about Will Ferrar. I don't know, in, in November of last year. Well, Will Ferrar is closer to 6'4", you know, and, and, and I don't know, 280, 285, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, not it, as big. those numbers might not look as sexy or, or whatever, but I know for a fact in talking with him at, at events down here in Houston and catching up with him since the commitment that he's grown another inch and a half, two inches, and, and really kind of gotten a control of his weight and added good weight. So, I mean – all these kids are different, but I guess what I was driving at and what I'll kind of come full circle on is Hawker. That's the one <clears throat> it, that that's going to stick out to me because the coaches were – they already had Dawson and Jack slated to, to play those guard positions. Hawker's going to be more of your true uh, tackle, tackle yeah. and, and utility guy right away because I feel like he's the one that has nothing but good weight right now. I mean you look at him and he's got the long arms and he's just got the frame that you look for. And to me, just reminds me of that timid, shy attitude. But then, you know, get him on the football field and he does his thing. So that's the guy I'm watching. Ferrar, you've got a guy um, who can come in and play a couple different positions. And then, again, you know, you go back to Verholst and you go back to Weaver, you got your couple 6'6 guys who can jump in and play some some right tackle as well. So, I mean, six guys and six are really good prospects. And, you know, the the – the fuss about after all this was, okay, would they take Grant Polly? Would they take another guy? The answer is yes. It has to be the right guy. And Grant um, Polly is a guy they would take. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely a take on Grant Polly. But after that, that list starts to narrow. And you don't want to take, you know, anyone that's not, you know, your guy. And and at this point, Polly's visited twice. I think, you know, for him, yes, he enjoys the visit again. Yes, he likes Texas Tech. But, 
you know, it may be an adverse effect, right? I mean, somebody's got to be left out. Maybe he looks at it and says, gosh, I'd really like to join these guys, but it's hard for me to also, you know, join a class with six existing commitments. However, saying all of that, four of these guys are graduating early and enrolling early. Which is so that's incredible. huge. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. And they're your four best rated guys, right? Farrar, Hawker, Deaton, and Anderson. And how so big is that for you, your spring next spring? You know, if, if things huge. go out, yeah. Huge. Yeah. So Absolutely huge. So, and I think you love it too because you got, I think you have three interior guys in Anderson, Deaton, and uh, who is my other one? And well, Farrar. And then you have three, uh, you know, exterior, you have three tackle types in Verholst, Weaver, and uh, and Hawker. So, so I think you just absolutely love this class and are thrilled with where things are at with your old line. And I think uh, I think our, our buddy Lee Hayes is uh, sleeping well at night with his head down on the pillow right now. Yeah, so. I mean, he's practically done in, in, uh, in June. So, uh, you know, good for him. And like we said, anything happens and anything will happen in recruiting. But you'd rather be where you are right now if you're Lee Hayes than, oh, than worry yeah. about what could happen. Oh, um, yeah. But the other half of this was, was you know, there are three other commitments, uh, and it all happened, you know, pretty close in, in week, proximity yeah. right another another week later uh but you added the three defensive backs we kind of briefly touched on adam beck earlier but you know based on his offer list and based on him you know decommitting and then committing to texas tech uh decommitting from houston that is and committing to texas tech uh, you know it's kind of a, a feather in the cap for the coaches and another win for them but impressive offer list uh impressive makeup uh has that size that that uh that that uh Spavidal and, and Gibbs really like and a guy that's probably you know, going to be a true safety, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But but a kid that I watched play corner as well and move around that George Rance secondary. So uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there's going to be big things from Adam Beck, and I liked everything that he had to say uh, both about the uh, you know being around the coaches and his commitment. And so I just, I think he's solid, and I think that you know he's going to help attract some other guys to this uh, class. And maybe not vocally, maybe not with a bunch of tweets, but but he'll definitely do his part. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, the guy that commits next after him is Adrian Fry, and we've already kind of gone into him, you know, as a guy that's a corner. So uh, we can kind of skip him a little bit. But then we can talk about your, your latest commitment, who is uh, Cameron Curl, who's a guy from uh, Oklahoma that has visited and uh, finally narrowed things down and, and committed. And uh, a guy that I like a lot, Matt, that I think – is is another guy that's a safety and, and i think you start looking at this class of dbs and you feel really good about where you're at and uh a guy that uh is another guy with size another 62180 guy and kind of your, your your first taste in this class of uh of your oklahoma guys so hopefully this isn't an obvious comment and maybe i just or or the the other end of this could be that i just covered too much recruiting and i noticed these things but Go back to look at his pictures from when he visited. Anytime a recruit brings mom, dad, and brother and sister, or sister and sister, et cetera, and they're all in there smiling, taking pictures, that's a commitment, okay? I, I mean, I, I'm just saying from a Texas Tech perspective, right? They don't have these giant visit weekends where there's 30 right. kids waiting to get behind the green screen. But uh, I, I'm telling you, it's tried and true. And, and I said that, I, I remember this because I was in Atlanta. We were having a break, lunch break. And the Washington State guy came over and said that Cameron Curl had released his top five. And what did I know about Cameron Curl? I said, man, all I know is he brought his whole family to visit. They look like they're having a good time. So, you know, that's pretty regional. I just I don't see a kid like that spurning yeah, tech for, for, 
Yeah, Washington State. I said, but you know, I guess the the thing with you know Oklahoma kids, you always have to just make sure that you don't know if they grew up a huge OU fan or a huge Oklahoma State fan. I wouldn't worry too much about that, uh, but I just think it's another kid that they just got in early on and, and started building a relationship over the spring. That's why the open contact period is so important because if I remember correctly, he's a kid that got an offer in early April at the beginning of that yep, open contact yep, period. Yep. And then all this just kind of rolled into off-season visit, uh, gets to Lubbock, and he's there with the family, has a great time. And I think he told you or Drew that you know he had been to TCU, he'd been to Oklahoma State, he'd been to some of these other schools, and, and that was not only his favorite but his mom's favorite. And when they both said that on the car ride home, he told me that's when he knew he was going to commit to Texas Tech. He just didn't want to do it right away. He wanted to kind of do it his own way. And yeah. he actually kind of laughed. I said, well, you had the top five. You know, what was the plan there? He's like, honestly, I just wanted to do an edit and say I had a top five. So <laughs> for all of you that say ball humbug the top fives and top eights and top twelves, there's your ammunition. It's true. I mean, it's just a thing that we have to live with now. But, uh, you know, ultimately we're seeing more and more of the kids release their top five or whatever. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter commit so uh but just going back to curls another 6'2 180 pound defensive back and so you've got those two guys uh you've got fry now and you also have quincy addison so you've got four defensive backs you know i could see them adding another defensive back as Maybe well another safety in corner too they might get to six five yeah six. they could i mean because they need the depth and then you know i think the rest of those numbers However that may shake out, like I said, we need to update the board. We need to look at how that looks uh, from a numbers uh, standpoint, I should say. Uh, But right now you're at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. You're 12. 12. You got a dozen, right? So that means if you want to add those two, you're at 14. You want to take you know, a linebacker, you're at 15, which maybe now you should take two linebackers. So let's call it 16 if you include an outside guy. Um, maybe four then, defensive linemen. Yeah, but then that that assumes that you maybe take one more receiver. Maybe maybe they say there's one more spot on offense, right? Just I mean, a utility offensive, like a sure. best of on offense. Yeah, sure. And then that gets you to like the twenty one, twenty two range, which is probably so, where they're at. Yeah, for this. Yeah, class. so that's probably realistic. I mean, but but I think a lot. I think a lot of people. You got to also. So we say that that's a total, but then we just said four guys are going to graduate early, and that's not to say they can't find other guys that graduate early. So then then they we take twenty stuff. It yeah yeah twenty. One minus four, seventeen. Okay, maybe you add two more defensive linemen if you find the right guys. Whatever, right? But I just think that um, you know, for the most part, that's how we'll see things shake out. But you know, uh, you and I will will update the board. We'll kind of put some new targets out there. And you know, again, there's two other camps, so there could be new 2017 offers and new kids like an Adrian Fry that you know we don't know about right now. And uh, maybe those kids come from South Dallas. Maybe they come from Oklahoma. That's uh, that's yet to be seen. Yep, your two ki- your two camps left are going to be the one uh, you're doing. I believe aren't they doing it at Broken Arrow High School, which is in Tulsa? I think. Yeah, I think doing. I think you're right. I, I know uh, Tulsa. I know for sure, but I don't know like where exactly. Okay, I think they're doing it at Broken Arrow, but uh, they're doing it with uh, one of those JUCOs up there in 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 Oklahoma. So there's that camp, and then there's one at Duncanville in South Dallas, which replaces the Lancaster camp. So should be a a pretty talent packed camp. So still got those two left and believe July 23rd and 24th are the two dates for those. So about a month away until we get to both those. So, so yeah, just wanted to uh, get to those two things as our kind of big topics of the night and uh, to wrap it up and know you guys have heard it repackaged and packaged a thousand different ways, but it's still 
the biggest story in college football this offseason and arguably, you know, the biggest story of the last, you know, handful of maybe the last half, you know, almost half decade in college football. I mean, that's just everything going on at Baylor right now. And, you know, I've riffed on it and Matt's riffed on it and, and I guess just, you know, how horrible of an ordeal it is. And, and I've gotten into it a lot about what I think about, you, you know, just morally the responsibilities that have been uh, broken and shattered and all those kind of things. But uh, obviously there's also the football component of this. So uh, we wanted to get a bit into the kind of the recruiting and where things are at with Baylor because at this point, uh, but for them, it's about where does the program go from here because right now you obviously have Jim Grobe in charge with all these assistants still attached, but it's kind of hard to recruit to that whenever uh, you're one of these assistants because I think you don't know if you're going to be there next year. Uh, kids don't know if you're going to be there next year. And, and yeah, so I guess I'll just kind of let you riff on it first, Matt, and just kind of your thoughts on where things are at with it and uh, the future of the program, and, and, and first with recruiting, and then we'll get into you know actual on the field for this year and next year. Yeah, you know, I mean, for for my two cents, I mean, everybody knows that I write for Baylor now. They know I cover the team. But me personally, you you could echo this, and you know me. All I care about is the recruiting part. That's what's interesting yeah. to me. If it's not recruiting, I really don't care. You know, I'm not Joe Shad. I'm not uh, one of these guys. Uh, I don't know. Name the other examples. But I'm not out there trying to uncover dirt or see when the next, you know, uh, complaints going to be filed with the police or title nine whatever it may be right i mean i was more interested in the recruiting stuff and i think over this past week you got to see a lot more of that shake out uh but man it's been literally devastating for recruiting updates recruiting tidbits there is nothing, nothing yeah. i mean you could hear a mouse fart uh from the the baylor recruiting office i mean it's that it's that slow um, and quiet right now. And, and I mean, it was uh, almost uh, a week to the day that they announced the uh, the Art Bryles would be. I mean, I'm talking about the beginning where it was he is what suspended with the intent to yeah, fire, whatever that means. Fire, yeah. Right. So so a week to the day, they only had one commitment left in the 2017 class of a of a tremendous start to their class that they had had. Arguably um, their best class ever, the start. Sure. And and now they have one kid left. And, and I would say that, look, I love Jalen Petrie, but I just think he doesn't have any other offers right now. So it doesn't make sense for him to decommit. And right. So, I mean, he's got and eight months new, left. And whenever the new staff comes in, which is going to be inevitable, you don't know if they'll keep him or not. Correct. But all the all the highlights from their camp, Kellen Mond gone, now committed to A&M. Hezekiah Jones gone probably going to commit to either A&M or, or Oregon sometime down the, the road, right? Maybe Notre Dame. Like, there's plenty of schools in the mix for him. He's got, like, a new top eight now, speaking of those. Yeah. Uh, but go down the line, and they've got kids that were committed to them that are just no longer interested in, in that type of uh, – in, in that type of setup because it's nuclear right now. I mean, nobody wants to touch that. Yeah, it's so there's, yeah. there's so many different, like you said, there's so many different ways to look at it. But for me, I'm a recruiting guy. We talk about recruiting. 2017 class, done. No new offers. No real relationships right now. What are they supposed to tell kids? I mean, every kid I talk to has been 2018, and they say, oh, the coaches told us the assistants they'll still be around, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's be honest. No, you can't they're trust not. that. Yeah, yeah. No, they're not going to be there. You know, and you know, you see the the rah rah tweets from current players and stuff, and you see the kids are like, "Oh, I'm sticking." You know, the 2016 kids, which we haven't addressed yet, 
that are, oh, I'm sticking, I'm going with Baylor. You know, I like those kids too, but because this is such a unique situation, did a Jared Atkinson really have that many other opportunities aside from going to a Juco or uh, maybe sitting out a year? Um, no. I mean, I think that's I think the reality. I think Tech was only his only other offers out of high school. Right. Yeah. So, And I don't think anybody was like, yeah, man, just come to our school. I mean, and I don't say that to be rude or to be ugly. Just part that's of just it, the yeah. truth because think about it. It's not a bad thing. Nobody, this never happens, right? A coach isn't no, just uprooted yeah. in, in the month of April or May. And never, then never, never. All the never, other yeah. classes are full or all the other schools that were recruiting you already filled all those other spots. It's really kind of a day late and a dollar short. So um, the kids that did have options, those are the kids that you're hearing about, Patrick Hudson, J.P. Urquidez, Patrick Cobb, those, some of these other names. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of these kids now, Cam Martin, uh, you know, who committed to Auburn uh, a couple days ago. you got Urquidez now at, at Texas. you got the Duvernays at Texas. So – um, me personally, yeah, we could talk about recruiting, but even the conference itself, like we were talking before the, the show started and, you know, how we wanted to approach it and, you know, what is the aftermath? All right. You know, the, it's over, you know, here's all the, you know, we're, we're still going to hear from the NCAA and that's all worthwhile to talk about. But from a conference standpoint, how does this affect the next season? You know, the, uh, yeah. the coaches staying on, do they carry some of that momentum on the offensive side of the ball with the talent on the roster? You know, but even even when Coach Browse was coming back, you know, they still had big Well, there was questions. a lot of uncertainty, yeah. Yeah, they had big questions on the defense and the defensive line. And then you had those two kids that came in to help them at the offense and defensive line. The Juco kids both dismissed like a week into Grobe's existence. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I just think they're – I mean, already, even before an NCAA or anything else came in, just the way that this all went down, rules broken or not, uh, it just crippled what they're trying to do, you know, from a, a depth standpoint in both 2016 and now 2017. Yeah, and and, and I know that this phrase, and I, I get sick of saying it, but it is, it is the truest thing about success in, in sports period is it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's, and... Baylor is hemorrhaging old Jimmy Jim, Jimmy's and Joe's left and right. Uh, have totally lost your 2017 class, which was the base for two years down the road, and that's totally gone. Uh, you lose all your biggest kids from your 2016 class, which is the base for next year and the year after, and all those kids are gone. So other than maybe this year, which is already an uncertainty, because you you lost basically the entire core of all your starters on the offensive and defensive line, which I think if you talk to a lot of people that know their football would tell you is the most important part of your football team as a whole. Yep. Uh, I just think that there is so much that you don't know about what's going to happen because I think you're still going to have some electric playmakers on offense. Uh, you've still got a couple of those guys on defense that you like, a couple of those linebackers and in D- in DBs. But you really, really wonder just how Jim – a lot of it too is, and I think, Art Bryles is the guy that I think just kind of has that magic touch as far as a program when you look at what he did at Houston, what he did at Stephen before that, and then what he did at Baylor now, where he made, he turned those programs into things that they had never been before, and he made them into a lot of things. And I think whenever you remove him from the situation – when he's no longer a part of it, you just wonder how the momentum and, and, and the mentality and, and and how differently does this team and all these players, how different is the chemistry? 
these are all things that you don't know at this point. Now, obviously, I think it's still going to be a good offense. You still have, whether it's Seth Russell or yeah. Jared Stidham running it, and you've still got playmakers on offense, but you don't know if the sum is better than the parts or, or those things, and that's yeah, the biggest question I'm, for me, you know? Like you said, even before all this happened, there were still questions, but literally, now that this has happened, you are... Okay, I'll say this. I covered the team for the past year. Even before any of this happened, and the defensive line and tech fans know this to be like crazily true, they were depending on a JUCO incoming JUCO, which you don't know now, how that's going to pan out. Anyway. Who is now not on the team? Right? He's now at Oklahoma State. Okay, and you're and you're banking on the kid from Spring, Bravion Roy. Bravion Roy might turn into a great player, but how many defensive tackles come in their their true freshman year and just light the world on fire? They're just Even Brian Fajoko didn't do that, and he's a all world defensive tackle recruit as a freshman. Exactly. So they're they're gonna be struggling at a few positions. You know, of course they're gonna have some firepower on offense and maybe in a nutshell we just described Texas Tech, but the point being is long what we're talking about long term is that they've just lost so much momentum. All that momentum that they had, all the, the recruits that they were landing, that all the reason that all these threads are started and all the reason this is getting so much attention is, yeah, is to, to say, oh, man, they got busted and this is crazy. They're all over the news. But a little part of you, if you're listening to this, is saying, all right, how could tech benefit from this? All right, how does this make the Big 12 look? Well, let's be realistic. You got OU, you got TCU. You still have Oklahoma and State. OSU, yeah. And you still have Texas, Right. Those schools right now, you know, Texas and OU, they're benefiting. Let's not forget A&M still in the state. You know, so so I don't think it astronomically helps Texas Tech, but let's look right at that median point. Let's look at the 5.6, the 5.7 three stars, maybe in the 5.5 guy that's a little underrated. Those guys that were going to Baylor and then becoming something – you know those guys are going to go to other schools now it's inevitable they're going to yep. the, you know they're going to get rid of any connection to Bryles you know humanly possible you know after all this and so what you're going to see is you're going to see these guys coach this next year they're going to probably you know disband everything get a new athletic director in there whether that's during the season or right after and then they're going to have to quickly turn around and hire a coaching staff oh and they're going to have to quickly fill a class which is extremely difficult to do in that short amount of time regardless of what has happened and what the now it won't be a, it won't be a good class as a whole and that's just that's just how it's going to be period well consider so consider this will right so i've been asked to cover a uh, a camp, the Baylor camp on Friday night, July 15th mm-hmm. in Waco. And I thought to myself, okay, sure. I've actually never really covered anything there. Um, and with all this crap going on, you know, maybe it'll be interesting to see like, you know, last year they probably had, you know, they had Baron Brown and committed Jamon Osmond, Mon yeah, Jones, yeah, yeah. all these other kids and tons of other recruits and, and kids that had just signed with Baylor at this same type of an event and to see what it will look like on that night. You know, at first I was bummed and I was like, it's probably not going to be a good event. Like what parent is going to drive their kid there because a, yeah, maybe they had a relationship with the coaches or they don't want to judge. I respect that. But then to know that, well, Jim Groves, a nice guy, but he's not going to be there past this year. None of these other coaches are not probably going to be there either. That's absolutely, you know, if I'm just, if we're being real, that's absolutely going to affect the attendance and, and that's going to probably show 
it's going to foreshadow kind of what's going to happen here because you're going to see, you know, less and less activity from that Baylor side. It's not going to be what you're used to. I mean, they, let's be honest, they had that thing rocking and rolling um, and, and they were starting to land. They're starting to capitalize on all the success. I mean, the reality, success, is, yeah. the reality is they won two Big 12 titles. They were in some big games and didn't make it happen. And, you know, a lot of the tech fans that have been posting about this and that have followed it so closely, that's what they want for Texas Tech. And, you know, maybe this helps them out in the, the short term. But I don't know. I just felt like we had to cover this in some form oh, or yeah, fashion. And from a recruiting perspective, they're going to be down at least 10 to 12 spots in 2016. They're at one for 2017 and that one probably won't stick and then you got to figure out when do you hire a new coach is it right after the season Mm -hmm. you know you have to hire an ad first you wouldn't you've never really seen a a school's president hire a coach and then hire an ad so they're just the timing of all of it's going to be so weird because they're going to have to bring in a guy and then he's going to have to hire assistants and then by february 2nd they're going to have to try to find at least 25 kids to sign. If not 30. Yeah. yeah. And and that's going to be the thing, I think, and that has already happened at this point, is this year, the, the, the crazy thing to me is, ceiling for this team this year is probably like 10-2, and two, and the floor for this team, it's like 4-8, and eight, isn't it? I mean, you, and you don't know where it's going to be in between that. Well, yeah. I mean, but I, I guess for me, I've felt that way the past – two to three seasons, so it's nothing new. And you just have to like what they've got going on uh, with the youth on the roster and, and having Pat Mahomes there. There's just a lot of question marks. I mean, you said it yourself how important the offensive line and the defensive line is to a team, and that's why I kind of said we're, we're describing Texas Tech, a team that can score a lot, but you really are depending on the defense to improve. And on the offensive line, you're improving on you're, – uh, you're depending on some guys that – have no experience to come in and, and, you know, maybe not dominate, but, but really kind of do a, a stand up job for, for newcomers. But with Ted, but, but I think with Baylor, you add the unknown of how are these kids going to react when they know this coaching staff isn't going to be here. Oh yeah. And how, yeah and, and how do the kids, you know, once they lose a game, like, like let's say they lose an early season game, one of these first four or five games, you know, do they collapse in on themselves and just, you know, mail it in the rest of the year and go, five and seven or do these kids you know just kind of band together and and go like I said nine and three or ten and two and that'll be the interesting thing but it's really about the future because after this year I I just think that you'll see a big drop off in 2017 2018 2019 for this program even if I think they get it back going again with the 2018 recruiting cycle you still basically have lost the best pieces of two classes, which are going to be the biggest core for your 2018 and 2019 teams. So even if they recruit well, I think in for the 2018 class, you could see a big drop off with the new coaching staff and all that. So that'll be the interesting thing to see how things unfold uh, moving forward. So, so we just wanted to touch on that before we close this thing out. So like I said, before we do close this thing out, anything else you want to uh, say, Matt? No, I mean we'll try to make this thing more consistent. Um, it's should just be, summer, yeah, summertime, off-season stuff. But uh, we've, like we said, two more camps in July. 
get more info there. Hopefully some, some new offers start to surface, but with 12 commitments, um, you're more than halfway there considering the amount of kids they're going to take this year. So we can really start to narrow in on, on the defensive line and, and some of these other, uh, positions and targets on defense here moving forward with the, with the offense basically, you know, wrapped up in June. Yep. Yep. Lots of fun. And we're going to try to make this thing more consistent once again. So, uh, Thank you guys for listening once again. This is the Victory Bells Podcast. I'm Will. He's Matt. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. See ya.